This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. In a time of darkness, when fear ruled the galaxy. Move along, this is a restricted area. Heroes will rise. Entering hyperspace. Destinies will collide. Who is that kid? And a rebellion will ignite. I'm going to snuff out this spark before it catches fire. I'm going to regret this. Welcome to Dead Bath and Spies, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and if you listened to the last episode, you heard me say that from then on this show would be going bi-weekly. At the time, that was true, but circumstances have changed again. As I continue to produce Dead Bath and Spies, as well as a Black Canary podcast called Flowers and Fishnets, and prepare a third series for this summer, I find that not only is my schedule for these shows challenged, but so is my budget. It costs money for a web host to store these podcasts, more money if you push them out more frequently. So with more work on the horizon, I'm scaling back on Dead Bath and Spies, which will now be released monthly. Is this a permanent change? Is this wishful thinking? Is this, in fact, the final episode of Dead Bath and Spies? Difficult to see, as Master Yoda once said, always in motion is the future. What I can promise you is that I love Star Wars, and I love talking about it with my friends, and as long as that holds true, the passion for this show will still exist. But hey, Yoda also cautioned against looking too much to the future at the expense of the here and now. And the here and now for this show is today's episode. I'm happy to once again be joined by Bobby Anderson, and we're talking about the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Premiering in October of 2014 on Disney XD, Star Wars Rebels focuses on a small band of outlaws committed to rebellion against the Galactic Empire, and even more on the training of a teenage boy named Ezra Bridger in the ways of the Force. Bobby and I had to record this conversation twice. The first time, something happened with the audio. I'm not sure how it got corrupted, but basically any time one of us said something funny or interesting, there was this loud burst of interference that sounded like the creepy aliens from the movie Signs. We corrected that with the second recording by simply not saying anything funny or interesting. The difference this time is that you'll have to listen to me coughing in the background. So I watched it, and I actually enjoyed it. That the anime it checked it checked a lot of boxes. 
that I would want in a in an animation. I like the style. Yep. Right. So the style's pretty decent. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, it checked the time frame that I want. Right. So the big negative I have with the Clone Wars, right? The the Clone Wars animated series was wasn't the animation. It wasn't anything about the story or the plot. All from what I saw of it, that was all pretty good. I never got into it because of the time frame. Right. Yeah. That that prequel time frame had, did not interest me at that point. Well. I Everything about it for me was tainted. Right. Like, I, I, I was I was getting into it. I was like, yeah, some of these shows are okay. I just, I don't like the characters. I don't even like the visual aesthetic of what the clone troopers look like and right. everything like that. So I just, yeah, I didn't like the battle droids. But, okay. And in, in contrast, mm -hmm. you know, Star Wars Rebels is that, that era between the two, right, that I actually want, that I care about. Mm -hmm. Right? So at some point, the Empire was formed. Yep. And at some other point, we've got Luke Skywalker starting on his journey. And between that time frame, there's pretty much nothing. Right. Right. Especially if you discount prequel stuff. If you don't care about it, you don't mm -hmm. consider it, you know, part of your head canon. Mm -hmm. Right. Then you've really just got this blank space of we know something cool happened. We know a lot of cool things have happened, mm -hmm. and we don't get to see any of them. We start with Luke, a couple droids, and an old man. And that's where we go. Um, so it checked that box. It was it got me hooked with the time frame. Um, the characters. <laughs> I mean, I got hooked on the characters pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I thought they were pretty good. I mean, simplistic because of the Disney Channel sort of younger audience. Right. The characterization isn't deep. The characters are pretty. Right. They, but they they announce what they who they are and what they want. Right. But it's but, still. Even though it's not deep, it's still good. Yeah. Right. A lot of times we associate those two things of right, we need right. one to have the other. Right. You know, I need to be able to delve into this character's immense psyche and right. let me play psychologist and mm -hmm. figure out everything about this character. And no, sometimes you can know what a character is and still enjoy them. And I think part of that is like the characters are they play to archetypes. Yes. Which the characters in the first Star Wars movie did. I would say they didn't really start exploring their characterization in a deeper way until The Empire Strikes Back. Right. They were pretty much on the surface, what you see is what you get characters in that first movie. Right. So I think the show does that. It does play to those. The characters are different. They're not just callbacks of what you've seen before. But they are things that you recognize from other sci-fi fantasy genres. You mentioned it the other day. It felt like Star Wars. Yeah, when I when I saw it, I was I was kind of I was just in a mood. I was jonesing for something. I was on a kick. I was like, I want to see something Star Warsy. I saw the show. I didn't have a lot of high hopes for it because I wasn't interested in the Clone Wars. But I watched that first episode, and from the opening shot, when you've got a landscape, kind of a, a planet with a city in the background that looks like something from the old concept drawings from that first movie and you've got a Star Destroyer or TIE Fighters flying overhead. I was like, yeah, this feels like Star Wars. Just from that first shot, it kind of hooked me. The last thing it checked for me was it hooked me with the place, right? The time, mm -hmm. the setting, mm -hmm. all that stuff. It, After I watched a few episodes, it gave me a reason to dislike the Empire. Yes. Right. So it's one of the big things that you can kind of say about the films is that yes, the Empire is sort of 
totalitarian. Mm -hmm. Right? They're they're dictators, right? They're ruling, right. and they are ruling with an iron fist. Right. If you remove a couple things here and there, and so when I say a couple things, I mean a planet of six billion people, right? Right? Ten billion people are on the planet, right? When they did go there, <laughs> right? They did they, take it there. They, yeah, they went there. They blew up Alderaan, right? But short of that, yeah, how are we, they bad? Yeah, we don't right? see why the rebellion was formed. Right. We don't see the need for the rebellion in those movies. Right. And if you want to, so if you want to talk about scale, right? So they blew up a planet with billions of people. They rule a galaxy with probably tens of billions, hundreds of billions Trillion, of people. Trillion, yeah, yeah. Right? Trillion, yeah. If you're talking about the entire span of the galaxy that they rule, um, I mean, it would be the equivalent of sort of a, a dictator taking out one city. Sure. It would be an atrocity. Right. A, a huge, you know. But I think everybody's allowed one. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to put... I'm gonna. I'm not gonna put my stamp on that statement. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> I do think like if if the worst thing that the dictator had done is just one city, one time, right? And then everything else was just sort of like, oh, there's a ruler, there's laws, right? Things seem to be running smoothly. Right. There's no more wars, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, yeah, you can say, well, they are totally awful mm -hmm. for doing what they did, right? But Everything else about what they've done is on the up and up. Right. Now, with this show, you've seen sort of right. the day-to-day -day grind right. of having to deal with the Empire. Right. The, the knocking over of the first <laughs> game, mm -hmm. right? the sort of discrimination against right. other races and yep. droids and all that stuff. We give a face to the oppressed. There's, there's an episode where uh, the Stormtroopers go into a bar... Mm -hmm. And they force the owner of the bar to put on the, the galactic, you know, the, the yeah, Empire the national, channel, yeah, the yeah. national channel, right. right? That is required to be playing at all times. Right, right. That is like, that is some next level propaganda, right? right? Mm -hmm. So you're seeing like, oh, wow, you know, this is brainwashing. This is right. sort of, you get to see all these instances of just really bad things. Right. And now that you've seen it on that level, you can say, I can see why there's a rebellion. Right. It's more than just a bunch of people saying, we don't like you, we want to be in charge. There's actually a reason. Uh, let's get to the rebels, the actual cast of characters. The, the captain, the leader of this group of rebels, Kanan, he is the type of Jedi that I would have expected to survive. Oh, right? yeah? So if you're accepting, you know, if, you know Order 66, mm -hmm. right, the Jedi are all but extinct, right, mm -hmm. there's that... Right. The Jedi should be rare. Right. Right. The the thing we get from even the names of the Star Wars movies, Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they were gone, mm -hmm. and Luke is bringing them back. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, if there were going to be still, you know, little pockets of Jedi that survived, that's the type of Jedi that would have survived. Yeah. We're not talking about the the old master religious sort of figure mm -hmm. we're talking about the ones who were young mm -hmm. probably not fully trained um, who either weren't ready to be out with a squad when the order was issued were able to sort of blend in enough as these normal people to not get hunted down mm -hmm. right he really is the cross between <coughs> a Jedi and a smuggler 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. You've got sort of the survival instincts, survivability of a smuggler on mm-hmm. Solo type. And you've got just enough Jedi training to know what the Saiyans are. Mm-hmm. And probably not enough to know what they mean, <laughs> right? There are a couple times where he, he spouts off a saying, and Ezra goes, "What does that mean?" And he's like, "I have no idea. My master said it though, so I'm going to say." <laughs> and then you know he's going through his own little journey of being a teacher, so he finally right. starts to get some of these sayings. <sighs> yeah, and I mentioned this last time, but I I had a problem with King just because I felt like well, two problems. One, I felt like at times. He could be, they, they play him or they write him either as that smuggler type or the Jedi type. And it feels like he just go, he, he plays to one or the other depending on the situation. Which could be okay. I would like to see a little bit more of, a, of an even blending of the two rather than just two different faces of his personality. Um, the other is, and I don't know if it's the, the voice reading by Freddie Prince Jr., but he doesn't come across as charismatic to me. Um, and for being the leader of this ragtag group that are all very different, all have very different personalities, he comes across as flat a lot of times. And I want to see somebody that everybody would sort of naturally gravitate towards. And I don't get that from the reading. But, okay. Um, so moving on. Another character, Hera. Mm-hmm. Our Twilight pilot. Um... The thing that I've said that I like about her is that she is not, she doesn't conform to the stereotype of what most people sort of think of with the Twi'lek female, which is ever since Ula, the dancer in Jabba's palace, like all the expanded universe basically said, yes, Twi'leks are sex objects, they're sold into slavery and they're exotic dancers and concubines, and she's nothing like that. She's not a sexualized character. Um, She's very pragmatic. Um, we've said that she's she kind of the voice of reason. She's the conscience yeah. of the group, yeah. um, or or if not the conscience necessarily, then the devil's advocate. Um, she will she will apply logic to it. She doesn't do a whole lot besides pilot the ship, but she does that very well. That's sort of her trope. That's that's her station. Right. Um, she she's very much the mother role. Yeah. Right. She's very much sort of, which is weird when you think about it since they are sort of, it's military, right? They are sort of this guerrilla military unit. Mm-hmm. And so to have a, a mother figure, like to have this family sort of dynamic, mm-hmm. right? It's, I mean, it does. It puts her in that role of being the pragmatic one, the level-headed one, um, the one who sort of doles out, doles out the discipline, mm-hmm. right? You know, sit down, shut up, let me drive, right? Right. I will turn this ship around if you do not yep. quit beating on each other, right? Did you did you finish the errands, right? Have you have you run to the grocery store yet? No, you get moving, right? Stop fighting, stop slapping each other right. in the back. Exactly. Don't make me come back there. So exactly. Um, and I think it fits really well. <laughs> Without her, I don't think you get that sort of family unit. More than Kanan, she's almost the glue that keeps these people together. She keeps them from killing each other, and she keeps them from just going off and doing their own thing. Mm. Like I, I feel like she's the one that they're really there for, that they want to be, mm. that they trust her, and they don't want to disappoint her. Right. So, yeah. okay. Um, the other woman in the cast uh, on their group of characters, Sabine, who. 
notable for dressing like a Mandalorian warrior. She has that sort of Boba Fett style helmet and armor, except hers is detailed. <laughs> like, like she went through like all those like car washes that paint. <laughs> I was gonna say she really needs to lo- learn to sort her colors. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The colors from the whites. I've done it a couple times, and you really yeah. you can mess up a lot of clothes that way. Right. Um, the other things that she's notable for, aside from looking like girl Boba Fett, um, she is an artist. Yep. And a demolitionist. Which, if you separate the Star Wars from reality, mm-hmm. right? What is the one thing that people want more of? Strong female characters, yep. right? That have. I mean, you you want to be able to say I'm I'm you know, a Barbie at times and I'm a GI Joe at times, right? You can't put me in a box, right? Well, she literally is that, right? She goes from being clad in pink mm-hmm. to throwing a thermal detonator, right? Right. She's also very intelligent. She's sort of, you know, quote-unquote cool, right? She's the level-headed, sort of older one um, who's kind of got her stuff together. Right. Sabine is not a princess, right? So Leia is still cool, and she's still, you know, she's the one who kills Jabba, right? right. If you want to get... She's the one who strangles him, right? right? But Leia is, has this nobility and this haughtiness and this standoffishness. Right. It's hard to... It's hard to relate to Leia. Right. She is very... She's not very approachable in that sense. In Princessy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's still got um, that princess vibe. But, like, bad attitude princessy. Right. Which, um, I guess, is, like, if you had to rank them in terms of, like, <laughs> most stereotypical to least stereotypical, right. at least that's, like, in the right direction. Sure. You're not, like, the, right. you know, help me right, princess. Exactly. But you are still in that vein. Right. So being sort of... No, she's demolition. She's like the she's the poet, artist, expressionist, ex- very expressive, kind of like in your face, like very outgoing, intuitive, sort of in touch with her feelings and not ashamed of that. Right. Throw that all out there. Um, she she feels like someone said, "Let's make this a role model character." Right? Yeah. So a younger girl who sees Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm likes it, wants someone to relate to, wants someone to look up to, has Sabine, mm-hmm. right? Puts on the Mandalorian armor, right? So Gets to look like So you're also, you're also bringing in that group, the people right. who want a callback. Right. They want to be able to watch the show and see something they're familiar which, with. Which I feel like the show does a really good job of not leaning on those as a crutch. I feel like, because you could very easily just keep name dropping and reference dropping and... Mm-hmm. Every other scene could have something from the original Star Wars or from the prequels or what have you. Yep. And so they've had cameos, right, mm-hmm. which is perfectly reasonable. You have this whole pile of beloved characters. Of course you're going to want to sprinkle them in every now and then. And they're not overused and they're spread out. Yep. So. Um, and they're, they're also not, they haven't touched the sort of the trinity, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't seen, you know, Ezra has not run into a, a teenage Luke. Right. Right. You haven't seen uh, uh, a teenage Princess Leia. Right. Right. You Which haven't I, seen sort of Han Han Solo as you're both trying to sneak into the same planet. Right. Right. It's it's we've seen lovable characters, mm-hmm. but we also haven't they haven't said you know we're going to rely on Han Solo's coolness. They've got their own. Right. right. They sort of got this. I feel like I don't have a good handle on her besides that. Well, we I haven't s- gotten a whole lot of Right, that's the thing. I, I haven't... 
I don't know what she's like other than what she does. Like I don't, I don't know what's under the surface with her. Right. Um, Which I mean, you know, you get four more seasons out of the show, and you'll probably get a whole, yeah, a whole Sabine arc. So maybe we can re- get there. Yeah. Um, we've got Zeb, yep. who's our sort of brutish, somewhat stereotypical strong guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that his species is based on early concept drawings for what Chewbacca might have looked like, um, and they just took that and tweaked that and made it uh, a different species. Most of the time, he's fun. Most of the time, I like him. I like him because he's that lovable jerk. I think out of all the characters, I think he's the most simplistic. Yeah, I think there's so. I mean, we haven't gotten a lot of Sabine's backstory either. Right. But what we do know, there's still a lot there to digest. Right? Mm-hmm. She was the jack of all trades, right. sort of right. everything. He is just attitude, right? Yeah. He is there mainly to just be attitude, to mm-hmm. be bad attitude, mm-hmm. to be the comic relief when they're in a bad situation to be like, oh, I'm gonna punch his lights out, right, right. and there's a thousand of them. So haha, it's funny because you can't punch a thousand people in the face. Right. Um, and like you said, he, he does approach that annoying perspective mm-hmm. a lot, or that annoying line a lot. Um, the, the redeeming thing I have for him, and this is sort of the, if I had to give you a reason why not to just sort of erase him from the show, mm-hmm. is the good relationship he does have is with Ezra. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of that interaction. Yeah. Um, we don't and, get a lot of him, yeah. but we got a lo- we get a lot of him plus Ezra. So it's he, one of the it is one of the evolving relationships throughout the first season that I think has done successfully. Right. Is we see them growing together because um, from the from the beginning, of course, they're going to be at odds. They're going to hate each other, and he's going to think he's this punk kid and he wants him off the ship. Right. But we see that grow and we see that develop, and I think you're right. I think that's a strong part of the show that does help him. Um, and I think you also pointed out we've seen a hint of his backstory. Mm-hmm. His his species was nearly wiped out, and he's got a backstory that is connected to one of our primary villains, um, Agent Callus. Like apparently, like went on a killing spree with some of his people. So there is that story kernel that's just sort of in the ether, waiting to be plucked. Right. I think we need to see that sooner. Right. Um, if they never go back to that, I think that is a major wasted opportunity. Okay. And seeing the tragedy behind this character would really help make him less simplistic. Well, and I think that's that's one reason why he gets a little bit of leeway. <laughs> or I think that's maybe why that line is pushed a little bit further back, because we know there's tragedy back there, mm-hmm. right, in his backstory. Right. So... He's not just grumpy and antagonistic for the sake of being that trope, right? Right. They did come up with a reason. He's right. not just sort of Oscar the Grouch for the sake of being Oscar the Grouch. There's pain there. You right. find out there is a trash can there, yeah. right? <laughs> like, there is going to be some reason for why he is angry all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And hopefully, like you said, that kernel gets plucked sooner yeah. rather than later. Yeah. He gets that sort of catharsis of, you know, defeating the, the mm-hmm. minor villain... Yeah, that has a huge tie into his backstory, and hopefully he grows from there and grows from that. Then there is who I think we both agree is the best character on the show, Chopper. Yep. Why is Chopper so lovable? Uh, because he C three PO set droids back 
a hundred years. <laughs> and the chopper came forward and and proved that droids are more than that. Um, in in the in the original you know in the original <laughs> movies, you really only get three types of droids, mm-hmm. right? You get sort of the the spunky R two D two, right? You get the stiff and kind of boring C three PO, yeah. and then you get those that have zero personality, right? Those right. that are window dressing or right. are, you know, may I take your order, right? right? Sort of robots, and I think Chopper gives droids hope. Yeah. I think I think knowing that Chopper exists means that there is as diverse amount of droids out there mm-hmm. as there are people. Yeah. And that that makes them their own race. It takes them from being this like sort of oh they're just a a technology mm-hmm. backdrop. They're living in space, so of course they have robots. It takes them from that to being like well, we've got this type of alien, this type of alien, and we've got droids. And <laughs> droids are just as diverse and unique as every other species that you will find. He gives me hope for a robo-apocalypse in <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> He's grumpy, too. There's no... He pushes another droid out of the ship. He's mean. He's, I think Chopper... He is outright mean, you're right. <laughs> Chopper, like... Chopper is... Uh, like... Chopper explains IG-88. In 4LOM, when you see the bounty hunters, it's like, what could make that droid just like go rogue and start hunting other people? It's like, oh, I see Chopper. It's like, yeah, Chopper thinks his life would be easier if these stupid organics would get off his ship. <laughs> if Chopper wasn't stuck in an astromech body, <laughs> yeah. if he had arms yeah. and could hold a blaster and could like trap <laughs> people down, mm-hmm. he would be just as much of a warrior on that trip. Yeah, exactly. As, yeah. Right. Uh, which is a really great point. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's yeah, what they did with that character was it's brilliant. They make him nasty, they make him vengeful, spiteful. Um and it's just it's lovable because you don't expect it coming from this little like R2 style body. But it's also he can't talk. He doesn't talk. He has no dialogue that you would understand. It's just beeps and chirps. It's like they do this amazing thing with such a limited capacity. It's it's one of the same reasons why you love Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So Chewbacca's back talking. Chewbacca's right. sassing and angry, and mm-hmm. but you never understand him, right? right? It's always censored. Right. It's always it's always funnier to hear the bleep right. than to hear the swear. Right. Right. You bleep and bleep and bleep bleep. Right. You right. use your imagination. You fill right. in those adjectives and like, oh wow, that was really mean. Right. Um, and Chopper sort of does that. I mean, he. If you want to go, you could like dissect all the times he's outright vengeful or mean or holding a grudge or mm-hmm. like he he hits Ezra off the ship. Yeah, he pelts him with a with a milk jug. It looks like or a <laughs> bottle or something, yeah. and knocks him off balance and off the top of the ship. Yeah. If there was not a Jedi <laughs> there capable of force lifting him back mm-hmm. and almost drops him, mm-hmm. right? They're about two seconds away from him. Mm-hmm. Him just plummeting to the earth. Yeah. And when the crew finds another little R2 unit that they like that can be helpful. That's like super helpful and nice. And they're yeah. like, hey, can you go do this? He's like, okay. And he just goes yeah. and does it. It's, it's like the, the cool one. It's like, oh, it's the, it's the cool friend that we're all really li- li- that we all like. We're <laughs> affable. How much better would we be off if this was our chopper? Chopper's like, mm, not having that. Nope. Pushes like, him off the ship. Right. 
and and they rescued that droid from the Empire. So that droid probably had like knowledge. <laughs> probably had like other things on its hard drive that it could be like, here you go. It was really useful. Right. <laughs> it's like, nope, chopper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, nope, not having that. But yeah, he's by far the the most interesting, if not the most likable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Finally, Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um Ezra Bridger, and I think that that last name, as you know, sometimes the Star Wars characters, their names are symbolic like that. Bridger, because he's sort of bridging the gap between the old world, the prequels, and their Jedi, and the new sort of classic trilogy characters that we know. Um, I expected to not like him, as I expect to not like teenagers, because they don't get off your lawn. <laughs> they don't. Oh, they're awful. <laughs> With their loud music and their, their skinny hop. jeans. <laughs> I saw one skateboarding the other day said, hey, get a job. But, no, you're right. And he does, so he does start that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he does sort of have this, he's he's a loner, right? He's, he's rough around the edges. Yeah. But he has a little bit of a whiny vibe. Yeah, beginning. yeah. But it's pretty quickly gone, mm-hmm. right? There's... You could make a pretty good argument that he's sort of come around the idea of where he is, what he's doing, yeah, um, yeah. and he's kind of gotten serious, yeah. right? He stopped being sort of the the goofball, mm-hmm. and he's getting serious about this is what I'm training, mm-hmm. this is what I'm training for, this is the responsibility I'm going to have, yeah, yeah. right? Um, who I'm fighting for, why I'm doing it. He's coming through all these realizations, and I'm glad that they're not stretching that out mm-hmm. because it can make a character really unlikable. Mm-hmm. Like it took you three seasons to realize you should be a nice person. No, okay, you went from being a loner who nobody ever looked twice at, so you're selfish. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. six episodes later, you're yeah. talking to Yoda and coming through some personal stuff. Right, right. Right. Like we had a nice little arc of you being selfish and spoiled and like mm-hmm. sort of self-serving. Yeah. And now we're done with that. Now you are. And I think I think the 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 episodes about his parents was really that really solidified his change. Right. I think there were still there were still some times like early on where it could have gone either way. But I think once they start delving into the background with his parents and what they were and sort of his destiny, um, then it then he took on the sort of classical. Yes, I'm part of this group. I'm a hero. I'm a good guy. I'm going to sort of like pull my weight around here and less of a sassy brat and more of the right. the the good good spirited toe the line type of hero. Um, yeah, he he grew on me quicker than I expected. I didn't think I would I would care that much for him, but I liked him a lot. Um, his lightsaber. Just easily the coolest lightsaber. You you want to throw in the the double bladed. You want to throw in the Inquisitor's one that spins, mm-hmm. sort of the mechanized yep. rotating one. You want to throw in the new teaser from the the, spoilers, the blade guards, right. whatever they are. Do you want to get into that debate? Um, I think his is by far not only the coolest one but the most practical. If if somebody's like, here's a lightsaber, and you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. We can make it shoot too. We're like, give me that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me the sword that's also a gun. Right, right. Um, well, don't you want this one that has another side? No, it's hard enough to use one. I'm gonna <laughs> cut my own leg off. What are you talking about? Give me the gun. Yeah, that I can. That I know because most of the time I'm not gonna use it as a lightsaber. Right. Sure. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought it would be stupid, and then I saw it in action. I was like, yeah, that, that really works. And I like that you can't use it one at the, the same time. It can't be a lightsaber and a gun at the same time. They have to turn off the blade in order to fire it like a weapon. Right. Um, we see that do it, we see that happening and it, it, it works. And it's something that it's something that a kid would come up with. Right. If he's not like building this with like ancient wise old Jedi like looking over his shoulder saying this is how you do this. If he's just make like just working it out, it's like I'm gonna cobble some stuff together. This is what I've always known. I'm a scrounger, I'm a pack rat. I find things, I fix them or I turn them into what I can use. Right. That's what he does. He creates. I mean, if you so if you take Han Solo's line, "Give me a good blaster any day," right? Yeah. That's pretty much what Ezra, who has no, like he thinks they're cool, clearly because yeah. he wouldn't think a lightsaber's cool. But he looks at it and says, "Yeah, that's great. How am I going to hit things far away?" <laughs> right? That was probably his first thought. He's practical, like right. you said. So a Jedi's like, "This is our weapon. It's right. elegant. Mm-hmm. It's been used for centuries, right? This is what a Jedi weapon is." And Ezra looks at it and says, "I can make this better." Well, especially what if your enemy is all the way over there? And especially for a kid who's got a physical liability anyway. Right. He's not big. He's not strong. Right. He's not a pro yeah. swordsman yet. He's right. not. But he's a pretty decent shot. <laughs> right. And for this kid, what has been his, you know, idea of fighting <laughs> for his whole life? It's been blasters. Right. Or right? his slingshot. Yeah. Yeah. He had a sort of slingshot, but which again was a very kid type of thing. Right. right. But it's also. I mean, what is it other than a rudimentary blaster, right? right? Like a, a blaster with only a stun setting yeah. sort of thing. Um, or like a, like a BB gun, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for him to, his whole life to think that blasters are how you fight, right? That's what the military uses. That's what people who oppose them use. For him to, like, change all of a sudden, like, no, no. A lightsaber is the only way to battle. No. He, he's like, listen, why not? Why not both? Right. Um, so it's easily the coolest lightsaber I've seen so far. Um, something that we didn't talk about before. What about their ship, the Ghost? Uh, I like it uh, because it is not, and they very easily could have made it, the Millennium Falcon. Or, or close to the Millennium Falcon. Or a carbon copy of the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And they chose to say, no, this is a smuggler ship. Mm-hmm. It's it's similar, right? It's, it looks like a Star Wars vehicle. Yes. It looks like something out of that classic mold. Exactly. But it doesn't look like the Millennium Falcon. Right. And it, it has its own personality. <coughs> right. Right. So they're not trying to play off of the popularity of the Millennium Falcon. They are trying to make the ghost right. its own popular thing. Right. They don't talk about how it's a piece of junk and it's always breaking down. They're not always scrambling for repairs. Right, it's a good ship yeah. with a really good pilot. Yep. Like, um, I don't know how I feel about the little like secondary craft that attaches to it. I I thought that was actually a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, we've the idea of an escape pod isn't yeah. ridiculous, right? Right, right, right. Well, why should escape pods be one-off things? Mm-hmm. Right. So if you've got this big enough ship, mm-hmm. right? Why could you reasonably not have a life raft, which is really what it is. You've got, you know, a, a, a boat, right. and then you've got a life raft, and that's that's what it is. It can't do hyperspace, <coughs> right? Because they've been in it and said we need to link up because yeah. we can't get out. They're being right. chased, and right, they can't right, right. just jump to hyperspace. So it's not for interstellar travel, right? That's true. I forgot it's, about that. It's probably not 
for super long range, right? It probably can't. No, it's more of a probe. Like it's a, it's like a, a, a we're in orbit. Let's go down to the planet. Mm -hmm. We're landed here, but we need to go to this city. It's sort of it's a it's a cool idea. Mm -hmm. um, whether or not you want to play that you needed it or it's practical or whatever, I mean you can make all those arguments, but I mean I don't think it does any harm. So and they've used it creatively. Right. I like again. This is this was something else that I felt like the prequels didn't do, which was give us a ship that feels like a home, mm -hmm. that can feel like a home base for some of these characters, that feels lived in and personal for some of those characters. I never got that from the Clone Wars. I got that from the classic trilogy with the Falcon, and I get that from Rebels with the Ghost. It feels for them. It feels like it's their home. It's their base. And if that was destroyed somehow, that would be a serious blow to them. That would be that would destroy them. Like, so I feel like that they they really succeeded in making that a part of the show. Right. Thoughts about the villains? We basically got the Inquisitor, and then we got Agent Callus. Um, so I like Callus. He's just sort of he's he's the answer to the incompetent villain. Right. right, so you've you've got those sort of yeah. your commanding officer incompetent can't right. do anything right, and he's the one that's like no no I'm a little bit dangerous yeah I'm smarter than the others right. I can fight better than the others <coughs> right I'll take you on one on one right. right that's I can set a trap if if these were a bunch of normal rebels mm -hmm. that didn't have a couple Jedi with them basically right. I feel like he would have been enough of a villain yeah right? so if we went with that premise earlier no Jedi. You've just got this rebel cell. Right. I think he would be enough of a villain that I'd be like, well, they're up against him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's got he's got the situation. Mm -hmm. you know, he's pretty competent. Yeah. Um, the Inquisitor is not amazing. Um, and so I, I'm always of the belief that evil for the sake of evil, right? Evil for the sake of being a villain is always less interesting. Yeah, and we have no background on the Inquisitor. No. We've got no sort of, you know, he was raised as a Sith, so he was abused and mm -hmm. taught the dark side, right? right? It twisted him. He was a fallen Jedi that's been recruited. We have no idea about him. He is literally just an evil mirror for a Jedi. And right? he's just he, a, the Jedi needs someone to fight. And he's just another in a long line of villains who just wear black. They have red lightsabers, and there's something distinct about their face, right? He, so you do fear him, right? They, they are, for the most part, always at a disadvantage when they fight him. Absolutely, they did a they did a very good job of that. Like the the rebels should be afraid of him. He he feels like he killed Jedi in the past, mm -hmm. right? So when we're talking about this time era and we're saying, well, what about the Jedi who lived? Mm -hmm. I feel adequate that the Inquisitor would have been the one to be hunting down these Jedi, mm -hmm. right? That he is ruthless and powerful enough that he would have been able to lead these sort of inquisitions, mm -hmm. right? Uh -huh. Ezra Bridger, the Inquisitor, mm -hmm. right? To lead these inquisitions and find not only Jedi that were hiding, but there's also a big sort of, a couple episodes where they mention finding, you know, the next generation of Force-sensitive people mm -hmm. that they're trying to eliminate, mm -hmm. right? The, the excellent recruits at the top of the academy get abducted and mm -hmm. as far as we know disposed of maybe yeah. recruited to be Sith but maybe just sort of outright you know ended mm -hmm. um, 
So you get the idea that he's good at what he does. Yeah. Um, from a character standpoint, not that interesting. From a threat standpoint, more than adequate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think for being a character that as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, it's another one of these. I never had any really any real reason to be interested in him, but I thought he was used really effectively. Um, I'm glad he's gone. Spoilers, I think I think we've seen the last of him. Yeah. Um, I want to see more of Trallis and uh, some new villains that they can introduce for the second season, assuming that we don't get the villain. Kind of Which I don't know that they could. I doubt it. <clears throat> well, let's let's go to that. Um, the pre-existing characters that we get for cameos, R2-D2 and C-3PO, mm-hmm. who I thought they were kind of the weakest of the cameos. I thought they, they were part was a little cutesy, but a little bit boring. I didn't think that was a great episode. Yeah, but for using them so early on, I can see why you did that. Yeah. Right? They are they are probably the most loved characters you could use without using the most loved. Right. Right? Without saying, yeah. oh, you're helping Luke Skywalker today. Right? So I can see why they would do that early on. Right? People want those throwbacks. And they're saying, well, we'll... we'll bow to you a little bit. Here's yeah. here are the droids. Yeah, yeah. Right? Bring in the droids. I do like the one <coughs> little wrinkle in it mm-hmm. in that just like in in the the movies, mm-hmm. C3PO is truly clueless to yeah. what is actually going on. Yeah. R2D2 has his own secret mission, mm-hmm. has his own secret ideas and plans. Right? And it's it's hinted at in this one that C3PO is really knows what's going on. Right. Or R2-D2, sorry. Right. R2-D2 really knows what's going on. And C-3PO Does. is like ratting them out to the bad guy because he doesn't know any better. Exactly. And he's sort of the stiff dummy right? Right. that doesn't get with the program. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did like that they sort of kept... I thought they were true to who they were, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what they were in the movies. R2-D2 is the, the loyal, spirited sort of... If you need something done, you tell R2. C-3PO is just kind of... Along for the ride. Yeah. So I did. I did like that. Um, we see uh, in that same one we see Senator Bail Organa. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kind of strikes me as if we. I hope they don't show us any of the the trinity of characters that we that we like, but I could imagine seeing a younger Leia more than the others, mm. like through him, even right. if it's ended. I hope we don't see that, but I can. Well, and she also has the most to do with the rebellion. Right, 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 right. So I would, it would be awful to see Han Solo helping the rebellion at right. this stage, right. and then be hesitant to do it later. Right. Or even you know Luke, who's thinking of right. potentially at one point joining the Empire. Right. Like right. I want to join and get off this rock. Yeah. So um, to see Leia would be probably the biggest mm-hmm. sort of crutch callback they could use so that they've used so far. Yeah. But it also wouldn't be the most ridiculous yeah. to see a young Leia sort of and again you make her that battle warrior princess sort of thing and you know you've got another strong female. Right. We got Lando Calrissian voiced by Billy Dee Williams, which yeah. I liked. I liked that he was not to be trusted necessarily, that they didn't just assume that oh yeah you know how he, his story turns out at the end of Return of the Jedi. You know that he's a good guy. He's on the up and up. So we're going to present him as this good guy. No, he's, he, his motives are pretty questionable throughout that episode. He's still, he's still got his own agenda. He's a gambler, and he's going to 
he's going to play his cards close to the vest. If I had to pick one of the biggest problems with the original movies, is I wanted more Lando. Right? Lando's pretty... Lando is another Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Right? He's, you, we all love Han Solo. We've got sort of... You get the feeling that a guy that Han Solo thinks is a Han Solo. Mm-hmm. I want to know that guy. Right. I want to know the guy that Han Solo is afraid of losing his woman to. And he's black, so he should automatically be cooler. Right? <laughs> and so, so I, I wanted to see more of him, and it's sort of a minor. Yeah, you, yeah. you want to, you want to, you know, throw a minor gripe with the originals, but I like that you get more of him here. And mm-hmm. I think this, this time period, this sort of era, would be a great place to get more Lando. I, I not as a main character. No, doesn't have to be. But every now and then, throw in those sort of Lando schemes. Yeah. Right. Oh. If he could be a recurring like, hey guest. Guys, right. Hey, once guys, twice, I've got another job for you. Not you again. Well, we really need the money. We do have to help him. Once or twice oh, a season, no. I would be happy with. Right. Um, and then, towards the end, we get we get Grand Moff Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Makes a few, kind of takes over for the last couple episodes. Um, and then in the season finale, we get um, two pretty significant cameos. Um, the first is the last, well... The last one is the final shot of the season, which is Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, like we were saying, I don't think he's going to be the new Inquisitor of the second season. I can't imagine him being that central to the... Well, because, I mean, so they were they were always running and barely escaping from the Inquisitor. Yeah. If you truly just want to drown them... Right, right. Darth Vader, come on. If Darth Vader can't, if, if yeah, yeah, if he can't kill them in the season premiere, if he is the main bad guy, I would be afraid for what it would do to his reputation. Yeah. The only, the only person well, I want my Vader to truly be scary for and a bad guy to is like Obi Wan Kenobi. Yoda, Luke, right? Well, because, I've already watched three movies that did a hit to his reputation. So. Well, I, what movies? <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't so, know what movies yeah. you're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, so then the other big cameo, um, we reveal that Fulcrum, who is this high placed, if if not the founder of the rebellion, then certainly someone high placed who was organizing lots of different splinter cells and kind of coordinating some of these things. We reveal that Fulcrum is Ahsoka. And for those who watched the Clone Wars cartoon, they would know that Ahsoka was Anakin Skywalker's apprentice. And how did her story end at the end of the Clone Wars? I really love this move. I love what they did because, one, it's completely unexpected. Mm -hmm. If you were to ask me to place a million-dollar bet on who I thought Fulcrum was, Leia. Right? That's sort of the obvious, oh, okay, who's coordinating the rebellion? Well, the princess Leia, right? The leader of the rebellion. But I thought... One, it was a great twist, because that is not the cameo I saw coming. Mm-hmm. Um, two, it fits perfectly with how the Clone Wars story ended. Mm-hmm. right? So they didn't just use her for the sake of using her without it making sense. Mm-hmm. So the Clone Wars ended with the final season, and I, I'm not super versed in the Clone Wars, but I did, I did watch a little bit, and I know a little bit. Ahsoka was basically on trial. Okay. Right? She had been she was on trial by the Jedi. The Jedi were like, We suspect you've done some things. And she hadn't, right? Mm-hmm. She'd been framed, she'd been set up. She eventually clears her name, right, throughout the, the course of the season mm-hmm. while being hunted, right? The Jedi are after her because mm-hmm. she's on trial. Um, she clears her name, 
And the Jedi are like, oh, we're so sorry, you know, oh, welcome back. And she's like, no, no, I'm done with you. Hmm. And she leaves the Jedi Order. She's disillusioned with the Jedi. Yeah. So again, if you're going into the assumption that Jedi are rare, right, she is a, a type of Jedi that would have survived, mm-hmm. right? Someone who went through their training, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason didn't finish. Yeah. Right? They are, again, we're not talking about a 60 year old Jedi Master here. We're talking about a young, sort of, you know, recently Padawan that was excommunicated mm-hmm. and chose to, you know, after being reinstated, chose to leave. Could have slipped through the cracks right. when the Empire decided to start hunting these guys. Out. Exactly, because she's not a Jedi, mm-hmm. right? Oh, should we chase Ahsoka? No, she's not a Jedi, mm-hmm. right? Not anymore, anyway. Right. And so, again, she's the type of Jedi that would have survived, and I think she's cool enough and, and integrated enough into the backstory, right? Like you mentioned Anakin mm-hmm. Skywalker's right. apprentice, right. right? So she has these ties, mm-hmm. right? If you want to talk about a villain and a hero being opposed to each other, her and Darth Vader. If, we, if we see a her and Darth Vader battle, that's pretty cool, Yeah. right? Like the that Padawan-teacher relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially so we know, we have the benefit of knowing what movies are to come. We know Darth Vader obviously isn't defeated. Right, right. So, but. would that take Vader to a next level? To kill his Padawan, right? Or to that injure her, or take her out of commission, or to severe, like... I think, to me, that's... So if you don't want to taint Darth Vader, mm-hmm. you can go the other way <laughs> and just completely remove... Excuse me. And like, oh, this really is a bad dude, Right. Because you get the well, sense that he's, he's been redeemed and all this stuff. Like, no, no, he was truly deep dark, deep down in the dark side. I hadn't thought about it now, but you're, I mean, they're going to want to finish her story. Right. They spent so much time with her in the Clone Wars and never fully resolved it. And they're going to want to do that. And I think this is the show where they're going to have to complete her story and explain why she's never seen again from where the story starts with Luke Skywalker. So... I mean, if it ends up being coming down to her and Darth Vader, that could be pretty. That could be pretty. It's gonna be a cool moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even if we use our knowledge that this is kind of a prequel and we know, you know, probably how it's gonna happen, like, right. that's still a pretty cool moment. That's why I was really happy with out of all the cameos, out of all those sort of things, I was the most happy with that one. Even though mm-hmm. I was not that big of a Clone Wars fan. Yeah. Because I love the possibilities that it opens up. Now we're going to get a little bit more backstory, right? How did some of these Jedi survive? How is the... She's the colonel for how the rebellion probably truly forms, Mm -hmm. right? I love it that Anakin Skywalker's apprentice is the reason Mm -hmm. that there is hope in the galaxy, right? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, So there's just a lot of cool things that her being there opens up. And on a larger scope, when Disney came in Mm -hmm. and bought Star Wars and pretty much said... The expanded universe is more of a suggestion. Right. Right? Like, even the prequels. Right. Take the prequels with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Right? The original three and the stories we're going to tell you are really what you should focus on. Don't don't fret your mind with all these other things. And so I like the idea that they have not just closed the door completely and said, we are the law and only what we say goes. And the only things that are going to count are the three originals right. and whatever movies we make. Right. 
I like that they're they're opening up and saying we're gonna pick and choose things from the extended universe that we like, and we're gonna use. And it, it gives me hope for because there are cool extended universe stories, and there are cool sort of things that come from that. So I like that idea that some of those things could still stick around. Overall impressions of the show, um, things to look forward to. I think the show started off really strong. Um, I think the first season was good. Mm-hmm. I think it has good bookends, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's a complete season. Yep. If the show never came back, and this is all how is how I judge it, if the show was like, nope, we're not renewing it for another, it's done, it's dead, I could live mm-hmm. with how it ended, knowing that Ahsoka is still alive. She's the reason the rebellion's around. Mm-hmm. Stuff's really gonna start hitting the fan. Yeah. That's cool. I saw enough that I would be satisfied. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. I like I like the world that they built. This world of Lothal, mm-hmm. uh, Ezra's homeworld. But I think we've seen enough of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything else they can do there. I want them to start expanding. I want them to start going to other locations, places that we're more familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they take a trip to Coruscant. Um, they have to sneak in there or something, or just Corellia or some other like kind of backwards planet. Um, like I want to see a few other like species that we know and like see some other examples of the imperial repression. Be a little bit more bold, a little bit more ambitious, not just with the characters but with the scale of the adventures. Which, I mean, hopefully they set themselves up to do right. Yeah. So we, they've sort of, they've been under the impression that they're alone. They're right. the only rebels. Right. They're the only ones sort of doing this. And it's been sort of revealed to them, no, no, right. there's a whole cell network, right? right? So if one cell goes down, none of the others can rat them out. Right. Right. Right? Right. Nobody knows anything about each other. Right. I think this is the perfect moment for Ahsoka to come in and say, listen, mm-hmm. we're going to unite the cells. Right. The right? Rebel Alliance. Get, the Rebel Alliance needs to be yeah. formed. We yeah. need a, a standing army. Yeah. We are going to need people to go around to these worlds, contact these other cells, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah, and that I think they've opened themselves up perfectly. Whether they do it, who knows? Yeah. But I think they're primed to go in that direction if they choose. Something Bobby and I talked about in our first conversation that unfortunately didn't get brought up the second time is one of my favorite moments in the show. In the pilot episode, which is a double-length mini-movie called Spark of Rebellion, there's this moment when the rebels go to rescue some Wookiee slaves from the Kessel spice mines. The Imperials set a trap and pin the Rebels down behind cover. And it's at this moment of desperation that Kanan takes out his lightsaber and reveals to the world that he is a Jedi Knight. I'm of the opinion that the Jedi are way, way overused in Star Wars material, but this is my favorite moment in the show because they get the Jedi right. And I mean they get the importance of the Jedi right. When Kanan ignites his weapon with that classic snap hiss, we see how stunned everyone is. The whole battle slows down like nobody can believe what they're seeing. The bad guy, Agent Talus, actually stammers. He tells the stormtroopers, concentrate your fire on... on the Jedi. He almost can't say it. His mind has to catch up to it like, like he has to recall the word. That is a Jedi being cool and unique and surprising and utterly not common. It's everything that wasn't in the prequels and the Clone Wars cartoon. That's why I say that this moment in Star Wars Rebels is them getting the Jedi right. 
If you've never seen the show, I highly recommend giving it a chance. It's a lot of fun. The CG animation style can take some getting used to, but I think that's the only real hang-up in getting into this great show and its misfit cast of lovable rogues. That's all for this episode. I want to thank Bobby Anderson for being my guest once again. If you enjoyed this show and you'd like to leave feedback, you can post a comment on the blog page at deadbothandspies.blogspot.com. You can also leave a review of this show on iTunes, and you can track me down on Twitter at RyanDaily01 or the username CountDrunkula. Dead Bath and Spies is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or Walt Disney Company, and the views expressed on this show belong solely to the speaker. All music and audio clips are used for entertainment purposes and are believed covered under fair use. And I make no money on this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and remember, the Force will be with you, always, whether you like it or not. Here's an hour of me coughing into the recorder. That'd be like the most abstract, <laughs> sort of modernist podcast ever. It's like a blank. It's like putting a blank canvas on a wall and saying, "Here's my art." Uh, and at the end, I say something really profound. <laughs> if you make it through the 59 minutes of coughing, you get the meaning of life at the end. <laughs>